Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. We have with us an absolute legend in the real estate game. He did something that many people aspire to, uh, built a team uh, and a brokerage up to 798 units, $5.4 million in GCI. And then he sold a portion of it, not his team. And then he traveled around the world uh, for seven or eight months with his family on a sailboat. And now he's back in the real estate game, the one and only Mr. Josh Barker. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me, brother. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Excited yeah. about uh, doing this with you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, man. So I guess first and foremost, like uh, as I was preparing and we did a little chatting, you know, in preparation for uh, getting the episode started, the first question that popped into my head when I had heard that like, hey, Josh is like, he's back and he's actually getting back into real estate. The first question that popped into my head was like, why? (laughs) Because I'm aware you've done, I feel like people look to you, Josh, and they're like, man, like if I could only do that and you've done it. And I also know because we were in a mastermind group for a little bit that you're a very purpose and kind of mission driven person. So I knew there had to be a purpose and a mission. So uh, what exactly is that purpose and mission for you? Sure. Well, um, at the out there, you know, my wife and I had reached our financial goals that we had set. And one of the things we promised ourselves is that when we did that, that we were going to take some time off. And COVID presented a uh, perfect opportunity for us because uh, I had a 21-year-old daughter, an 18-year-old daughter who were both home, you know, due to COVID, one from college, one from high school, in between boyfriends and willing to go sailing with mom and dad. So um, with our five-year-old son. So um, we just said, hey, let's let's do it now. Financially, we were ready for it. And, um, you know, we thought that that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We can always make more money, but you can't always have that memory. So we took them and went and did it, but, and we were gone for about a year. Um, and then, uh, we were thought we were going to be gone longer, but, uh, I think I shared with you before this call that, uh, we had an opportunity to uh, adopt a little girl. And so, um, that little girl came to our lives. She's four months old now. And, uh, when we found out she was born, we turned the boat around and rushed back to get her, uh, because, uh, she was closely related to our family. And, um, so that was what we did. We, uh, we came home. So, um, the real estate piece is interesting, but uh, like I think I was sharing with you that uh, real estate for me, um, it's what I know. Um, I wanted to do it a little differently this time. Uh, last time I wanted to be the very best listing agent I could possibly be. And, um, you know, I think that uh, we reached some of the goals we had set in that area. Now I'd like to run the very best real estate company that I can possibly run. Yeah. And um, so I'm, this is, uh, uh, you know, having a very viable company, providing good value and service to the market and a very... Uh, a changing environment of real estate. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, anybody in your geographic area needs to watch out because Josh is back in the game, my friend. And and it's just a hobby at this point, like you're saying, because you're just really interested in it. And what I'm aware of, based on what you just described to me, it's presenting itself as just another challenge. Because when you said you wanted to be the best listing agent you could be, I mean, you're being humble, man. Like how many listings at the end were you actually taking? Um, I had three years in a row where I was averaging between 340, 350 listings. 
Did you guys uh, hear that? Did you hear what he just said? 340 to 350 personally as an individual yeah. agent. Now that would require you to be on how many like appointments a week? Um, I was going on just over 400 appointments a year. So I was averaging between 75 and 80% of, of appointment per, uh, listing ratio. And it was, uh, so in a week, I mean, it would just depend on what time of the year, because obviously we're front loaded more. So March through uh, about August, I'm, I'm running really hard. Six days a week is very common. And then um, for the balance of the year, it would drop down to a five day a week uh, work week. So um, it was significant. There was many days where it was two or three listing appointments every day. Um, and you just, you had to move fast. Um, you know, that what I learned was, is that, you know, we had a lot of the sim- similar mentors that were coaching at the time and um, anything that was a non-income producing activity and anything that was administrative related, I was able to, with a great team, um, a wonderful team that really supported me, I was able to get a lot of that work uh, to them, which would free me up to go out and do the most important thing I could do at the time, which was to get a home listed. Um, that seemed to be something where my value showed up is uh, getting commitments from homeowners and negotiating quickly. Um, those were the two things that I did really well. Um, we did have a sales team, you know, so like you said, I didn't do all, um, you know, 798 of those deals. Um, I had a team of about nine agents on average that assisted me with that. So they were also listing homes in some cases, and some of them uh, were uh, working with a lot of buyers, for example. Um, but uh, my personal production was 340, 350, and we still listed another 150, 200 homes on top of that as a team. Yeah, which is amazing because what I'm aware of is, you know, I've been on two or three appointments a day and that requires a lot of like mental, physical, like spiritual, emotional energy to do that consistently, like day after day after day. And what you shared, which is very interesting, is now the new challenge is, is how can I run the best like company, right? Instead of just being the best listing agent, which you achieved, you're like the Heisman Trophy winner of listing property, like you won a Super Bowl of that, you know, three years in a row. So now can, how can I run the best real estate team? So talk to me about the difference in thinking, because that requires two different mental maps. It really does. You know, I think it comes down to, to leadership. I, I was able to, I, I, that my team gave me a lot of, uh, of flexibility in my leadership style back then the previous time, because I was running so fast. It was basically like, hey, just do what I'm doing and follow me. I'll lead the way, right? And it was like, I could lead with that example and um, so some of the shortcuts I would probably take in the leadership aspect were made up for by me going out there and getting it done every day. So, um, so they, they gave me a lot of respect from that, from that uh, which made it easier for them and for me. Um, now, it's really about becoming a better leader, period, like developing great talent, recruiting great talent, developing great talent, encouraging them uh, to be productive, um, scaling systems and process and training and client services and all the things that are necessary, um, being extremely thoughtful about um, lead generation, uh, lead conversion, and of course, the capacity to provide that value and service to the market. I mean, these are all things that um, you have to think about at a high, high level when you want to do what we want to do. That's exactly right. And what just emerged is like uh, that mental map of like attraction with leads and then conversion and then delivery, delivery of that service. So now your focus in the past, you would delegate away as much as you possibly could. And you essentially did that didn't involve you being on appointments or negotiating deals that allowed you to list 340, 350 homes a year. And now what the shift in focus is, is, okay, well, how can I teach others to do, to kind of replicate, right? How can I take my software that's in my head, download it to them, give them leadership and support? How How to use what we know into them and have more impact. I mean, 
you know, all the results that I'd like to see this company uh, deliver to the marketplace, I have to achieve through people now. Um, no longer can it just be Josh going, all right, I'll do one more appointment. No problem. I'll just, I'll just take it. Right. And now it's no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that our team is scaled properly to provide that value and that service. Um, I believe it's going to have a bigger contribution to our team. I'll have a bigger contribution to the clients we get to serve because you know, they won't be as tight on time as I was in that final season before I, you know, before I went sailing. So, um, you know, and I do think that the industry is changing. I think there's a disruption there. There's an argument to be had of, you know, what is the industry going to be in the future? And um, I really very much want to have, I want to have my say, you know, and I want our company to be able to have a word in that. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't have a word if you're not here to have that word. Um, and that's a big reason why I want to do it. I think that, I think we have some ideas for the future in the industry. And I think that um, we want to have those ideas heard. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like how you perceive in your mind, because we were talking a little bit, you know, again, off uh, camera before we got started about yeah. how you see things changing, because you've been doing this for how long? You've been in the real estate business for how long? Over 20 years now. Yeah. So the, I'm imagining like what your experience was 20 years ago and what it is today is just like dramatically different. It's a completely different game. So it's like specifically, how do you see that changing? Well, I mean, obviously the biggest change was the, the consumer transparency, right? So when I came in the business, the MLS was a, um, you know, like a DOS program that agents had access to, but the public didn't. There was no websites for consumers to search for homes. And so you would write these overly promising ads that caused consumers to call on them. And then you would uh, show them that property, which normally wasn't what they thought it would be. And then you'd switch them to better properties and sell them those properties. And so that was kind of normal for what the industry was 20 years ago. And then, you know, as the internet is, has come to become the, the tool, obviously, it's here. Um, the consumer's now searching. It, it's changing who's responsible for what, right? So before it was the agents sharing what was available in the market. Today, the agents don't do that as much. The consumers are the ones that know what's available and they're requesting access from the agents. And so that's a big shift. It's given an opportunity for, you know, realtor.com and Zillow and companies similar to that to come into the space, provide access to consumers to those properties, um, and now sell those lead opportunities to agents. And, and to your point, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest transformations we've seen over the last 10 years is just how aggressive and how successful that model has proven to be. Yeah, because we were talking about it where, you know, I have the good fortune, I coach a lot of the, you know, a lot of agents across the country and a handful of them are very productive, you know, seven figure earners. And I've witnessed over the last 24 months, and even in my own business, where um, on the listing side, that's become 20 to 30% of their business now are these platforms, right? So what you're describing is there's the client and then there's the agent. And when right. you first started, there was nothing in between. No. And now no, what's in between is the internet. And then there's, there's different business models that are popping up around that. One is where they want to sell their own products and services. That would be like a Zillow or Redfin. And then the second is, is um, they're not interested in the products and services, their own, they just want a referral fee. And that's their entry yep. into the transaction, but then they're getting into ancillary services around it. Is that right? Sure. Yep. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it's, um, you know, they're, they're selling leads now, you know, Zillow's selling leads and, and some of it's as a referral instead, right? And agents just, they just have to keep in mind that even though, you know, they're, they're selling you access to their lead opportunities, the referrals, are you actually purchasing it? They don't control that lead. 
that they only have a copy of the leads, right? So all of us have our own systems out there that are generating lead opportunities outside of Zillow and Realtor.com. And if you if you were to look at them more closely, you'd see that there's a pretty significant overlap between the leads that you can generate on your own and what Zillow is going to sell you. Um, the question is, is your percentage high enough that it doesn't make sense to work with Zillow as a partner on a flex program or Realtor.com through you know agent uh, or uh, uh, op city and, and those and companies like that. So, um, but I would be mindful of it. I, I, you know, we're, we're not going to hundred percent go in the space of working with them directly. I think we're going to try to build some models, some systems independent of those sources. Cause I think that long-term those companies that do choose to build independent will probably be more viable than if you get addicted to the, <laughs> to what they're selling you over time, it's instead of a 35% referral fee, the next thing you know, it's a 40% referral fee. Now it's just going to slowly ask. Yeah. Whoever controls the lead controls how much it costs. And what I'm also aware of, I read a really interesting book called Machines, Platforms, and Crowds. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how those three things are converging at the same time to radically change commerce. Machines being artificial intelligence right. or automation. Um platforms being platforms like a Zillow or a Facebook or Uber or Airbnb, and then crowds where you can crowdsource money and ideas like via the internet very quickly. And in the book, though, it said something interesting, which was that, you know, in the future, uh, knowledge workers or people that are very good at what they do, they're not going to work for like, they, they talked about an attorney, they're not going to work for like one firm. What they'll right. do is they'll work for many firms, and there will be one central platform that processes everything and brings the two together. And what was so interesting is when I read that, and that was like a couple of years ago, I like had to put the book down. I'm like, wait a minute, that's happening already in our industry because we work for like, you know, I work for Keller Williams, then I also work for Fast Expert and Homelight and Effective 8 and all these other companies that are sending leads. And my experience is like with that flex, like you were saying, they want all of your time. Like they want you to be their employee, essentially. They, they monitor what you're doing. They monitor the calls. They monitor conversion rates, right? Like you're essentially working for them. Yeah, it's um, flex is interesting to me only because it's something a little bit near and dear to my heart. We were we were purchasing quite a bit of uh, Zillow leads up until let's say a year or half year and a half ago, and I was very much vested in that investment. So you know, as I purchased those leads, and at the time I don't remember what the number would have been, but let's say it was sixty five dollars to one hundred dollars a lead, if that's what it was. I very much wanted to see our team converting those opportunities because it was such an expensive opportunity to create. Right where now I think if people were to buy those same in a market, if you could even do it, they're probably $300 lead, right? So Zillow now is asking team leaders to run these sales teams to hold them accountable, but the sales team leader didn't buy those leads in the first place. So they're not out the same money if they don't convert. And, and all they're doing, I've talked to these agents, all they're doing is they're simply taking the spend that they were allocating to Flex or to Zillow at the time. Now they're reallocating it to, uh, to other investments. So Zillow's flex program, in my opinion, made Realtor.com more profitable. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, the revenue they were taking at the time from, you know, from the agent now that went onto a flex program is now simply purchasing Realtor.com leads. That's so interesting. So, you know, so I guess my question to you would be is being that you, you know, see these changes and shifts that are happening, what do you think agents should be doing to pivot? Because what I'm aware of is a lot of agents... Uh, they're intimidated by technology. A lot of agents are intimidated by the fact that, you know, business is very much so like an evolution and no model lasts forever. 
like eventually it's going to change and we're in the midst of one of those changes, right? Like again, aggressive, sharp elbow competitors pushing into the space, getting in front of potential clients before we do. Sure. So what pivots do you think agents need to be making right now? Uh, be very proactive on generating a very large database of buyers that are not even ready to purchase for the next, you know, 18 months. You know, if, if Zillow's done anything really well, it's just that they've been nurturing these customers, you know, through um, access to their system or delivering, you know, market alerts to them over an extended period of time. All, most agents are like focused on, I want what converts now. And that's okay, but that's what everybody wants. And so um, you're only going to have access to so many people that are ready to do something now. The people that make a longer commitment to conversion, lead conversion, and you don't have to do it yourself. You could have an ISA or multiple ISAs or VAs, that kind of thing. But you have to start nurturing these opportunities much earlier in the process. You need to get start getting these people 12 months, 18 months before, because then the relationship is strengthened to the point. You've provided enough value and service to a point where when they are ready to transact, you'll have the opportunity to be one of the two or three people to request information from. And um, I think agents that are proactive with that approach are ultimately going to do well. And I think ones that stick to just what converts today are going to have, you know, not that they won't be successful, but it'll be more painful, you know, because once you're 18, you know, the example I just gave you, just fast forward 18 months for that particular agent. Now it's all flowing in consistently, you know, so what you started 18 months ago showing up today, and then it stays showing up consistently going forward. And that's where you get those scalable systems. That makes total sense to me. And I get what I heard you say too, is two things. So it's one, in order to do what you're describing, somebody needs to have like some sort of marketing suite or plan to create sure. those leads. And then I need a CRM uh, yeah. and, I'm, and, and, and people. So it's like technology and leverage through humans, like an right. ISA who's nurturing those leads. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. And ISAs come in all kinds of shapes and forms. I mean, you've got the chat feature on your website by definition is an ISA. If you inquire, you get a response and they're trying to switch you over to an agent that can provide services if you're ready for it. Right. Um, the same thing's true for sending out a email or things like that. Those things will automatically respond and, um, you know, provide service to a customer. And if that customer is ready to transact, they're going to come back to you. So you have a lot of different, um, ways of, of getting an ISA in house or you could have one that's a telemarketer that's outside of the office. I mean, there's a lot of ways to provide that consistent service to a customer. Yeah, it's interesting. I have uh, one client that I work with. He's got four ISAs and then he just hired somebody who's like a VA that's a quality control person for the ISAs. So they listen to the calls. Yep. Like they, they take 10 calls out of the day. They listen to them. They have a mechanism for grading them. Yep. And then each week, um, you know, they come up with a grade and then it's very specific about what they need to work on, right? Like, did you say this at the beginning? Like, did you say the, their client's name? Like he, he came up with like 10 questions in a Google form. And I thought that was brilliant because what I told him is what he's doing is he's creating like a virtual sales manager, like a, a manager of the ISAs. And now it's scalable. Now you could get 20 of them, 30 of them, 40 of them. Like it doesn't matter, right? That's the key, man, is, you know, every, everything that you do with your systems, it, and, and obviously not every agent can be at this point yet, but your goal should be is that any solution that you come up with is scalable, is duplicatable, can be taught to somebody else to do. Because a lot of the functions that we talk about probably in this uh, podcast and others would be is that all of what we're talking about is very important to be done, but it doesn't necessarily have to be done by you personally. You know, so like, I'm not going to be talking to all those buyers over the next 18 months, but our company will, 
And we'll make sure they're being delivered with good value and service so that when they are ready to transact, our team does have that opportunity to provide service. Um, and that's, I think, what we have to be thinking about when we set up these systems. It's like, how do we get people to, to do these or for systems to do these without you? Yeah. And I shared with you, I was like, dude, like you have in one human, the rare qualities, like at that two, two qualities that are really found in one person, which is that a, you're like a world-class salesperson. You have like, you know, crazy discipline and determination to take 350 you know, listings uh, a year, but you also have the ability to think in terms of systems and you recognize the importance of them. Most people don't. So I see that it's like a, it creates this challenge, right? Like they, a lot of people need an integrator, if you've read the book Rocket Fuel, where there's like a, a visionary and an integrator, but you, like you can actually, yep. I'm sure you have an integrator, but you can actually do both and you can think in both ways, which is rare, right? Um, sure. And what I'm aware of too, is what you're describing is that these platforms are doing what we're talking about. So if I'm on one of those platforms and I click a button within 60 seconds, they're talking to somebody. And, and not, only, not only are they doing what, uh, what we're talking about, they're using us to do it. <laughs> which is ins- like it's it's like it's like evil genius type shit like it's like wow man like that's that's really so, interesting set us as uh, a low liability employee at this point right um you know they're providing opportunities to the referral program because our industry is set up with a referral program i'm sure that those that ceos are scratching they go i don't know how we got so lucky with that one you know, we get to test at all these theories and sales ideas on people that we don't have to worry about them filing labor lawsuits against us, right? So uh, it's pretty incredible. But, um, you know, which, by the way, I mean, I, I have nothing but good things to think about when I think about the CEO of, of Zillow. I mean, he's done some great things with Expedia. He's done some great things with uh, Glassdoor. I, I think the guy does want to digitize the uh, the real estate industry. Um, and I think this is to my point earlier. It's like, the question is, is that going to happen? You know, it, can it really happen that way? And um, I think that as the and as we as an industry realize that we have to start standardizing some operating processes and systems for the consumer, we need to sub- solve the employee issue. We need to solve the fee structure issue. We have to su- solve some of the sustainability for lead generation issues. Well, ultimately, we need to move away from a brokerage experience. We need to move into a company-owned experience across the country. This is what needs to happen. If we want to really be viable in this next, you know, transformation that we see in the industry. Um, and then, you know, and then they, they might have their, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, they, they already have their idea. They already told us they want to digitize it. They think that people are going to be happier not having somebody walking through the process. They've already said that. And so I think our voice needs to be heard of, of saying, no, our customers have told us the opposite. They value communication. They value experience. They value being delivered options and, and, and giving case studies on what other people did that was successful in those situations. And there's no computer um, that I'm aware of yet at this point that's going to be that thoughtful and have that emotional component to walk them through it so or that, that empathy to walk through it. So it's going to be fun. I mean, this is why I'm here. I, I want to have a voice in what the future of this industry looks like. I know. And I love that. And I love as you talk about it, you get like excited. Like, this is fun, man. Like, you know, this is, uh, we're just playing around here. Right. So, um, and I agree with you like a million percent because it's a complicated transaction and it's a very emotional one. And there's two types yep. of intelligence. There's intellectual intelligence and emotional intelligence. And that bet that we can be like purely digital. I feel like we saw that in uh, the pandemic where it's like, okay, the model that's going to win is digitally based, but physically enhanced. 
when you figure out how to digitize a termite inspection, a whole house inspection, whether it's a problem, <laughs> then you got my attention. Yeah. Or when you figure out a way when like the seller loses their mind because like the inspection came back and they want to squash the whole deal and not have a human involved, like, okay. I just don't, you know, that's exactly right. I, I just see it um, as being, you know, that's where they're going to go. We know that's where their focus is going to be. They think that by creating a really bright button on a phone is that you know, that says press here to learn more is going to be the answer. That's cool. We know what they want. That's awesome. So let's go another route. Let's consider pro providing good value and service to customers, strong communication, a very, uh, you know, thoughtful commission structure, uh, having employee-based models that provide, you know, value and service to the employees that work for you also. I mean, I think, you know, not that we're there yet, but I do see that as being the future. We talked about it briefly before this call, but it's like, hey, I, I think that long-term there's an argument that agents probably should be employed. Um, we're already asking them, especially on sales teams, we're asking them to participate in a certain fashion and manner. Um, we're trying not to cross the line of, of treating them like W-2 employees. So, you know, we can't, you know, be mad if they don't show up to work tomorrow, right? Um, is that the best thing for the customer? You know what I mean? And so um, I think those are interesting things that we're going to get to work through um, as an industry going forward. Yeah. And what I love is that your focus as we have this conversation is a lot different than the focus of others when I have this conversation with them is that they're thinking about themselves and what you're constantly thinking about is the consumer. You're constantly saying to yourself, like, what's in the best interest of the customer? Yep. Right? And yep. that's what drives decisions. And the other thing I have always enjoyed, um, you know, about having conversations with you or being in your presence is that you're not attached to like being right. Mm. I feel like a lot of people are like, they, they end up with like a model in their brain and it works and they get like super attached to it. But you're like, I remember you sent a book uh, or you suggested a book or maybe you sent it. It was like from Zillow about like keywords that they were noticing like causes homes to sell. And you adopted yep. it immediately. And I was aware that there were some people in the group would be like, ah, like screw those guys. Right. But yep. that wasn't like in your brain, you're like, no, dude, like, of course, why would I not pay attention to this? So yeah. you're not attached to a model or a way of, you know, specific way of doing it. Instead, what I'm hyper vigilant and focused on is what's the best model? What's the best system? What's the best training that will give the consumer the best experience? Yeah. Start with, start with the consumer, you know, um, for me, it's like whatever is going to ultimately be best for the consumer, right? We'll, we'll, we'll win in the end. That will be the right answer to everything that we do. And, you know, so like, for example, it's not the best thing for the consumer that we only charge 1%. Well, why? Because then we couldn't fund the vital services of closing management and listing management and sales training and all the other things that are necessary to control a really good customer experience. So it's not about, you know, just get bottom line, like some of the, uh, you know, one of the questions you asked was like the future of some of the brands. It's like, well, there seems to be this push that there's a lot of brands that are racing to the bottom by raising their commission splits up as high as they can possibly raise them, recruit as many agents as humanly possible into these models. But when you look closer, you go, oh, shoot, because the only thing they're able to do, the only way they're able to do it is that they're blowing up all the middle management. They're blowing up all the oversight. They're blowing up all the training. That's not in the best interest of the customer. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I look at those models and I go, oh man, I, I don't, I don't think I want to have, you know, hatch my, uh, you know, latch my wagon to it because I just don't think they're viable long-term from the customer's perspective. You know, and I think we, you know, we've seen these industries, uh, the, the industry change. We've seen these new brands coming out and they're growing explosively for a couple of reasons. One of them is the high commission split. Uh, the other ones that they're company owned. Um, company owned provides a, um, 
a very interesting, uh, that's one, one interesting thing, Aaron, that we've learned over the last few years watching uh, some of these company-owned brokerages nationally grow is that they weren't limited by a franchise agreement. And so they could blow past state borders like it's nobody's business. All they had to do was find a broker in each state. <laughs> and they were technically in business there, right? So we're seeing these, these businesses change. Um, and I think that the model that we're going to have to decide on is it going to be a model that's based on you know value and service to the customer first. So having a great lead uh, uh, creating system, a great lead converting system, and a great transaction management system providing value and service. Are we are we focused on that as a company? Is the company responsible for that? Or are we going to continue to give that to the agents to make the agents responsible for it? Yeah, so that's so interesting. And you're absolutely right. And I think we've tried it by giving it to the agents and making them responsible. And there's a handful, like literally a handful out of an ocean of agents who have created systems and models to do that. And the question is, though, is there like the UC or the company that like the company, you know, whatever the brand is, the company that recognizes that and creates a mechanism for attraction, a mechanism for conversion, and then a mechanism for delivery, and then also has within it the ability for an agent, if they want to be dependent, they can get those leads or whatever, and that's fine. If they want to be independent, they can do that too. And if they want to be integrated, they can do that too. Whoever figures out that model will win, correct? Um, yeah, um, if, if it's not forced into a uh, W-2 employee model. Uh, you know, Because the example you're giving would be as if there was this independent 1099 agent and component to it. You know, I, I think, I mean, if I were to describe the, the, the model that I've hoped it would win out long-term. I think I'd like to see a model where there's not just my company, but multiple real estate companies where the company is responsible for the overall client experience. They're responsible for uh, lead generation for their team, lead conversion for their team, uh, transaction management for their team, where they're W-2 employed so that they provide that, that, that systematic process for paying taxes and insurance and, you know, just be a real viable company, a company that's providing good value to both your employees and the, and the uh, uh, consumers that you're serving. I see that being the model that long-term could win out. Um, you know, it's, uh, as soon as you start going into this fractions of like, well, if you want to have it more independent, you could have this environment. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think long-term that's the best thing for the customer. You know, I, I think it's having this this uh, established model. I guess is what I'm thinking it could be. That what makes sense. Talking? Yeah. Well, and I, I, and and then the question is though, is like, is could you do that at scale? So Josh can do it, but he's only right. in Shasta County. Right. So it's like, could you do that at scale, like under one large brand, one large umbrella? it's going to be interesting to see if they can or not. I mean, I, I, I seem to think it's going to be more of a collection of companies. Like, you know, you've got uh, state farm and farmers insurance, you got Edward Jones and Merrill Lynch. And, you know, these are all established companies with, you know, that with, with very large salaries for, you know, key players on their teams. Right. Uh, but they have a process, a system and a model. Um, I don't think it's one company that went out against all, um, because it's, and, and who would want that anyway? What a terrible thing to have one company solving all problems nationally. That would be terrible. I mean, the competition is ultimately where the customer is going to win the most anyway, um, which is why I don't mind the tech companies coming in. It's like, you know what? Thank you. You're forcing us to solve a problem that should have been solved, you know, maybe, maybe 10 years ago. 
I wouldn't say it should have been solved 20 years ago. We didn't have the internet. It wasn't an option. Today, I, I think that it's time for our industry to step up and leaders that are in this industry to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to take full ownership for customer experience. We're going to build teams that are focused on that. Um, we'll beat out against companies that want to offer a red button on their smartphone as the solution by offering really good value. You know, and I think that's ultimately where it could go if, if, if all of us want to do it together. Yeah, that's awesome, man. This is great, guys. Everybody's getting a glimpse into the future because you're getting into the mind of Josh Barker, man. So I guess I'm curious, like moving forward for you. So here, I mean, you've kind of done it, right? Like 790 <laughs> deals, huge GCI. So, yeah. so what is your goal and objective over the next four or five years? Like, what are you trying to do? Well, I what's the mission? What what's the purpose? Because I know you're very mission driven. So like, what's the mission? I just shared it with you. I mean, that's our, that is our focus is that we, I just don't think we'll be the only one. I recruit as many people to into that idea as possible. Because I think that if there was, you know, let's take California, for example, and we, we've got a really large state. I, I understand that. But if we had, you know, 40 or 50 really, really well-ranked companies in the entire state that owned what the, the example of what I just gave you, the customer experience is going to go through the roof. You know, yeah, the, the loss. You know, the agent the count will go down dramatically, right? But the, the experience to the consumer will be much will go through. Yeah. And attorneys that are focused on the real estate services or on real estate practices, you know, with lawsuits, et cetera, are going to have to leave the state. There just won't be enough. Um, because transactions will be ran so well. I mean, I look at some of the models right now and I quite honestly, am just, I wouldn't say I'm embarrassed because I don't have any responsibility to it, but, but I'm disappointed because like I said earlier, I see the commission structure shifting to such a high split to the agent at the expense of management, leadership, training, mentorship. And so now what you have is a collection of agents that are walking around who are unconsciously incompetent. They literally don't even know what they don't know. And, and that's not their fault. It's the fault of the companies that are not taking that ownership. And I know what they would say. They would say, well, we have, you know, uh, you know, you can go online and learn all you want, or you can call our broker and learn whatever you want to learn from your broker. And it's like, well, I've been coaching sales teams for a long time. They didn't know they had a problem until I pointed it out. And so, you know, I think that, you know, that's where the ownership piece comes in. Leaders need to step up and start teaching their agents how to be great agents for their customers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to start pontificating there or anything, but it's like, that's part of our mission. Now. That's we, right. We definitely- Josh is on the Mount, right? He's giving the sermon. He's like, let's go team. And and if you guys are listening to what he just said, he's like, like step up, right? Like yeah. in, in we- a way as leaders, like we have uh, like a duty, like a responsibility, right? If you want this industry to be better than it was when you came in, like, that was probably something I thought about when I was saying, I was like, you know what? This industry did a lot for me over the last 20 years. I got to retire at 45 years old. Who gets to say that? You know, not too many. And it was this industry that provided that opportunity to me. And, um, you know, this next time around, I, I want to leave it a better industry than I, than I found it. Um, I want to do everything I can to make this place a better place. And I don't mean that to sing. So that sounds like a like a poster really, but and I don't mean it down that way, but I think that's what I think about. It's like, if you're going to get me to come back from on a sailboat and do this, it's, it's cause I want to do something special, you know? And I think that we're in a great industry with a huge opportunity 
Um, and I think Zig Ziglar said it and probably somebody even before him, but it's like, if we can just find a way to give enough people what they want, we'll have everything we ever wanted. Yeah. And you know, I think that's just so true. I do too, man. And you got my vote, brother. I feel like this is, I feel like this is like Braveheart. He's like, who wants to come with me? I'm like, I'm, I'm right there, dude. Let's ride. So, um, listen, man. So, yeah, well, well, listen, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. I know your time is like super valuable. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to send you referrals, like how could they get in contact with you or your team? Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I mean, just reach out, just type Josh Barker real estate and probably pop up on Google pretty quick. Um, so I, I think that would be just a, a good place to start. Awesome, man. Well, listen, he's the real deal. He's an awesome human. And uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time and look forward to chatting with you soon. Okay. Aaron, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity you gave me today. So thank you. My pleasure, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.